morning. How y'all doing? It's great to be back home. And uh, when you go back to the, the, I guess it's the South. I didn't know Virginia was a part of the South. That tells you how bad my geography is. Uh, I, I know. I didn't know. But you know, I got to do something that was absolutely awesome. How many of you know what St. John's Church is? One, two, St. John's Church is where Patrick Henry gave that, uh, it was off the cuff speech, give me liberty or give me death. And uh, that is a huge speech. And uh, I sat in the pew, these are the exact same pews. I mean, the building is almost identical, except for they added a little, little extra portico in the front. But I sat in a pew, and I would have turned my head that way. Patrick Henry sat right across the way in the pew, and he got up, and right in front of me, he, he spoke that great lesson. Did you know that without that, Virginia wouldn't have uh, taken up arms? Massachusetts was being wiped out by the British, but Virginia said, we need to take up arms. But they were pacifists until that speech. And then everybody in the room, including George Washington, who said, let's not fight, including, believe it or not, um, who wrote the Declaration of Independence again? Thank you. Well, not he signed it. Jefferson. He didn't want to go to war either until that speech. And then they decided we're going to put our militia with Massachusetts and it inspired the rest of the, the, the colonies. Without that, we wouldn't be here today. They wouldn't have allowed this kind of open public assembly. Man, it got me, I got chills thinking about that. So I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. in establishing spiritual freedom from sin, but I'm also thankful for that guy that stood up and said, give me liberty or give me death, because without that, we wouldn't be Americans. By the way, he also fought against <laughs> our founding fathers because they didn't want to put in the, the Bill of Rights. And without Patrick Henry saying, Virginia is not going to join, even though we fought, that, fought the war, we're not going to join you in ratifying the Constitution unless we have the, the Bill of Rights. You know, without the Bill of Rights, we would not have the freedom of worship like we enjoy today. Isn't that amazing? One man, the power of one man. I'll get that back to that in just a minute. All right, so here we are. It's great to be back. Thankful for all those people who stood up and helped out. It was fantastic. I got a couple of announcements. I want to do those first. Uh, for those of you who like to put this on your refrigerator, the new and improved May 2023. Uh, I do not include refrigerator magnets. You have to have your own. Uh, but please note that our family fellowship dinner Sunday night, the 21st, at 5.30 at, at Tamara's place. But tonight, we're not going to the Kirkpatrick's. We're not going to Tamara's. We're going down to the 6th uh, and Gibbs Church of Christ down in Cottage Grove. And uh, we're going to enjoy fellowship with the saints down there. Some of the folks out from Alvador are coming down. I know some of us are going down there. And if you want to know where it's at, I copied a bunch of these. I have them out on the desk. It's 195N, I'm assuming North, 6th Street, Cottage Grove, and uh, they're going to start at 6.30 tonight. So 6.30, down at the 6th and Gibbs, Cottage Grove, Church Christ, and it's going to be 5th Sunday rally. Lots of singing, 
and then they're going to bring a message in regards to breaking bread together. Question. Are we supposed to make That's a great question. They never said anything in choir. I never saw nothing either. I'm kind of sounding like those folks down south. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, uh, also, too, uh, G4 Summit's coming up, and we got some folks coming out from Virginia uh, who are going to help us out. And I can't wait to have you hear him speak and preach. Uh, he's got a, a heavy southern drawl, so it's going to be pretty fun. So anyway, I'm excited about that. All right, here we go. Mrs. Parks. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Parks, thank you for coming out and visiting with me Thursday. It's always good to get to know people in a different setting. Thanks for being a servant of God. You know, Mr. Parks, right over there. All right. Tanya V for being a constant source of encouragement. Can I get an amen on that one? Woohoo! All right. I know there's another one in here for you, but we'll get to that. Jacob, you're a rock star, you rebel scum. <laughs> I don't know who put that one in there, but I like it. Now, you missed a great sermon this morning, you rebel scum. Oh, by the way, you want to show your shirt? Look at this. You know what? Man, Patrick Henry probably would have worn that too, man. <laughs> well, sure, come on up. Come on up. Talking about liberty, liberty in Christ, liberty as Americans, praise God. There's a little take on uh, <laughs> little take on the the rebellion <laughs> against the empire. All right, I had to tell you about the empire, but I think that's kind of a foreshadowing. <laughs> Jake, you're doing a great job with your lessons. Speaking up, well, good job. Let's give it up for Jake once again. <laughs> those were those were great lessons. I tell you what. It's, fun to watch my son labor over those things he was he was kind of unsure yesterday afternoon but i told him go take a walk and they came back and he wrote that great lesson it was awesome okay tanya tanya v i enjoyed our visit sunday afternoon you are very special thanks and they it's anonymous okay there you go give it up there you go give it up for tanya all right Liberty, you are such a beautiful, thoughtful, sweet, kind, encouraging woman. Amen. Well, good. I thought somebody was laughing at that. I thought that was a nice thing to say. Okay. Amen. Uh, so I'm going to say it again. Liberty, you are such a beautiful, thoughtful, sweet, kind, encouraging woman. You make everyone feel comfortable. Thank you for all you do. Let's give it up for Liberty. Eric and Cynthia Johnson, thank you for all the things you use your gifts and talents to build up the body of Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Ooh, amen. Let's give it up. I noticed something. Uh-oh. In the bottom of the flyer from this Sunday rally. Oh. Well, if I could read it, I would have. Time of fellowship will follow, so bring your favorite snack to share. Why, thank you very much. All right. All right. Don't read the fine print. It gets you in trouble when you don't. <laughs> hey, I don't know who brought those goodies out there uh, out there in the entryway. That was wrong, wrong, wrong. That was evil, man. Especially that one that had some pecans in it. Whoever brought that, you're in trouble. And I'm in trouble for, with my wife 
You're in trouble with me. Okay, no, there you go. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's division in the ranks. <laughs> All right, there we go. We're moving on. What do I need to do next? I'm having too much fun up here. I think we're good. Oh, man. Oh, man. That is so wrong. By the way, we do have an announcement after assembly. I'm going to turn the, the videotape off. That's what I want to share. Turn the, the video off, uh, and, then, and then we'll chat a little bit. So it'll only take just a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm kind of stalling. I, I can only do so much. Okay. So, Sounds good. We'll see what you guys think. We can do that. Kirk, sure. Also. All right. So right after, right after assembly, those who got just got called out by Ken, it's woodshed, woodshed therapy back there in that room. I was getting a little worried about that woodshed therapy. Anyway, so we're going to sing happy birthday to my wife after uh, assembly. How's that sound? So she's here. Maybe we should make her stand up here. I mean, not what she did. Yeah, okay, there we go. All right, she's probably listening. All right, now grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Hey, and turn to the book of Psalms. 34. Psalm 34. I've decided this is going to be my, my little poster child verse uh, for this lesson and the next one in regards to uh, overcoming or conquering the fear of death. Psalms 34 and verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all, all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. I really appreciate the way the psalmist says that I sought the Lord and he answered me. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we would ask in your son's name, Jesus, that as we continue this mini series on overcoming or conquering the fear of death, that holy God, you would help us to realize that you are sovereign and that we need to come to understand what that means, that you are sovereign and believe it so much so that we would put our trust fully in you. Help us to remember, Father, that to worry, to worry demonstrates that we do not understand nor do we fully believe what the scriptures say, what you have taught us. You see, we can't add one hair to our head or, or one moment to our lives, and yet we worry about it. So, Father, help us to, to overcome that disbelief. Help us to have full confidence in your sovereignty and your rule, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll just jump a little bit further down the road in Psalms 147. We take a look at that? And I think our brother was using that this morning. I was thinking, oh man, don't stop on verse five. Just keep reading, okay? Just keep reading. So look at verse five. Psalms 147 and verse five. Very interesting thing is, is stated there. It says in verse five, great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. God's understanding is infinite. There is no end to his understanding. And how many of you know that he is the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between? He's existed from eternity past. He will exist into eternity future. And he sees all things in the moment of a time. 
That's that kind of messes with my little pea brain. I don't know if it messes with yours, but it ought because we are of limited, finite understanding, and we only have a limited number of days. I think sometimes that's why people don't believe, is because they can't get their mind wrapped around who God is fully. I believe the Word of God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But I don't believe it has taught us everything about the Lord God. Only that which we need to know. And we need to know that he is sovereign. And that's why we are studying this morning. So I'm going to ask a question. And I want you to think about that, this question. Don't, don't shout out the answer. But do we really, collectively and individually, do we really believe what the word of God says about the Lord God. <clears throat> and if we really believed, then do we really trust everything that we read in there? Case in point, do you really believe that God stopped the sun for a full 24-hour period so Joshua could whip up, I believe it was on the Amalekites in the Valley of Ajalon. Do you believe that? I believe that. You're saying, well, that's impossible. How could he stop the sun? That's not how this thing works. Look, the writer wrote it as he saw it. He held in check the earth and gravity so that Joshua could take care of business. I believe that with all my heart. And some people say, well, that's impossible. Well, that's unfortunately why you're going to quake in your boots in the last six seconds of your life if you have the moment to think about it. Do you remember the last time I was here and the last time I preached? The title of the lesson was Conquering the, uh, of the Fear of Death Through What? Duty and Devotion. Think about that for just a minute. Duty. You salute and execute because you believe your commanding officer is trustworthy and he's called you to do what you are capable of doing. But go one step further. You salute and execute because of devotion. You love that one because you know he loves you and believes in you and is putting all of his hope and desire and power with you to do your job. So those two Marines stood because of duty and devotion. They knew exactly what was going on, and they knew what was coming. What about you and I? Do we get fearful of what the future holds? We're going to read a scripture right near the close this morning, and you need to understand that that six seconds that those two men had to decide out of duty and devotion to serve those whom they were protecting, we have an opportunity, not six seconds, but maybe six years, to get prepared for that time when we will stand for the Lord Jesus and even in our last breath, as Jesus, as Stephen, glorify God. Listen to the closing scripture that Jesus speaks to Peter. And then listen to the passage of scripture from the book of Revelation. But let's begin this morning. Point number one, understanding the sovereignty of God. Let's, let's turn back to that verse five. It says, great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. How about Isaiah chapter 40? Turn there, Isaiah 40. 
There are several passages, I'm just picking a few of them, that communicate the, the greatness of our God. You know, many people don't read the Word of God, so they can't know what is true. Many people read it, read it, but then they don't internalize it. But look at verse chapter 40 and, and uh, verse 28. What does he say there? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. You're saying, what does that mean? Uh, if you're asking that question, great, because that's what I asked too. <laughs> what does that mean? This kind of sounds like a Scrabble game or something, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, that's what my first thought was. Don't laugh at me, it's true. It means cannot be penetrated or discovered or, or uh, comprehended by human reasoning, beyond human comprehension. In other words, God's understanding is beyond our ability to understand. He is infinite and we are not. But if you take a look at the next one, uh, chapter 46 of Isaiah, uh, turn there with me if you would, uh, chapter 46 of Isaiah, and look at these two verses, verse 9 and 10, 9 and 10. Remember the, uh, well, let's pick it up in verse 8. Remember this and be assured, trust fully. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past? For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country, truly I have spoken, truly I bring it to pass, I have planned it, surely I will do it. Man, no, knowing the end, but speaking it from the beginning, what does that sound like? Prophecy. Do you know Jesus actually did that several times? He understood what the future held and he spoke it very clearly and eloquently. He spoke it to Peter and that's what we're gonna look at at the close of the lesson today. You see, we need to recognize that God knows every single hair on your head or not in my case uh, and, and he knows every day and he knows every tear you've ever cried or ever will cry because of the heartache of this life. And it says he keeps them. I don't think this is literal, but he keeps them in a bottle. In other words, he's not going to forget your tears. He's not going to forget your suffering. He's not going to forget your staying the course, even though you're terrorized. He knows. He understands. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36 makes a statement about the greatness of our God, which leads us then into understanding his sovereignty. The very end of Romans chapter 11, notice what it says there. It says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, unfathomable are his ways. I think we've already said unscrutable, okay? For he who has, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who, who, who became his counselor or who was first given to him that he might be, might be paid back to him again. 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the all in all. Jesus is our blessed and only sovereign. Many of you have read this, but let's turn back there. First Timothy. Look at First Timothy chapter 6. Jesus is the one, the only true sovereign. <clears throat> and I use that word deliberately. I'm so thankful that a few years ago I studied through uh, God and government. And we were about halfway through when I felt like, you know what, things are really ramping up quicker than I thought. We better turn to Hebrews to make sure that we will remain faithful no matter what. But I learned about the sovereignty of God in studying that book to present lessons. And I've been ever since moved by that truth. Listen what it says here. Begin in verse 13. Listen if this were Jesus saying this or, or the Apostle Paul saying this to you. I, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. He is the, the blessed and only sovereign. You know what that word sovereign means? It means supreme ruler above all. In this context, Jesus is the exalted ruler above all earthly rulers and above all spiritual kings or dominions. In other words, there is no one or anything greater than Jesus. And it says dominion here. It says to him be honor and eternal dominion. You know what dominion is? The right to rule. The right to tell you and I what to do. Now a lot of people rebel right there. He's going to tell me what to do. Well, I would suggest that you consider or reconsider that statement if you've thought it about King Jesus. Turn to Colossians 1, and we'll move quickly from point number 1. But Colossians chapter 1, and make a look at verse 13. Once again, the sovereignty of our King, Jesus Christ. In verse 13, Colossians 1, verse 13, powerful statement about Christ Jesus. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. God the Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In whom, in the beloved Son, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the prototokos, prototype of all creation, of all Christians. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure 
and for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him, through Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Again, the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Now I can shout and shout and shout, but if you don't believe it, when the crush comes, you'll buckle. To remember the story I told about those two Marines, some of the Iraqi police said anybody in their right mind would run. How about anybody with their spiritual heart trusting only God? Will they run or will they stand? My son spoke this morning about being a rebel. What was it? I love your, what was the title of your lesson this morning? Rebellious children of God. Man, that's kind of like, wait a minute, they shouldn't be rebelling against God. No, they're rebelling against the culture. As, as he spoke of Eric, as Eric was walking in, that was kind of cool how he stepped in. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> this thing is like a big cage full of monkeys going crazy, and it's going to get crazier. But we should not fear, because our God is sovereign and knows every hair on your head. He knows every tear. He knows every day. He knows every struggle. I want you to turn to uh, Psalms 139. And this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time, about 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll, we'll finish up with Jesus. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6. That's, it's a powerful passage. Uh, in fact, this, this particular psalm, you want to know why abortion is murder? Let me say that again for the audience whoever might be listening. Abortion is murder. I got suckered into that. In 1972, Roe versus Wade was passed. And then because I was in rebellion against God, I murdered my first child. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. But the Bible says a murderer is a fugitive unto death. I was crucified with Christ and I was set free. I'm thankful for that, that beautiful sacrifice. In this passage of scripture, it says that the moment of birth, your personhood was given to you. Your personhood was given to you. Your psyche, the unique individual personhood, your soul, your psyche was given to you. At the moment of conception, Unique and distinct, unlike any other person ever been or ever will be. And so at the moment of conception, if that life is deliberately, intentionally taken. Now people will fight against that, but you're fighting against God's word, not me. But listen to this passage in verse 1 and following in Psalms and, and chapter 139, 1 through 6. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there, there's a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it. Now, a lot of people, they'd be freaking out going, oh no. 
But if you're living for the Lord, you're saying, oh yeah. Well, that's how it should be. And when you confess, he cleanses that sin and all unrighteousness. You're free. You're free. He knows that. And we need to understand that. Verse 5 and 6, you have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. And then verse 16. Verse 16. This is where we stop and we look at the Hebrew and we understand what's being spoken of here. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. In other words, you knew me before I was conceived. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Do you understand what was just said? God knew the moment of your conception. God knew the moment of your birth where you, you came forth into this world. God knows this day and what's going to happen all day long. God knows if you're listening and if you're not. God knows if you're taking note or not, but you're listening and you're going to apply it. God knows that. He knows what you're going to do with this tomorrow. He knows that. He knows the day of your death. And he knows how you're going to die. And he's going to know how you respond. He knows that. God is sovereign. You know, it's interesting. I want to take a look at these words. The word ordained there, where it says, uh, in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. The word ordained there means the Lord is all-knowing and all-powerful, so much so he planned, prepared, and fashioned every one of your days before we were conceived. Some people say, well, you know what that means? That means that God absolutely is controlled and we have no free will. That's absolutely not what it means. Did you know that the Lord can open a door and close the door and you have the choice to either go through that door or refuse to go through that door or continue to bang your head against the door that's locked and that will never be open? You know, you have the... I'm going, I know, I know. Okay. Okay. Well, we got free will here, but God is going to open and close doors. That's why Paul said when he prayed, pray for me that God would open hearts and the opportunity to speak and that he would give to me the words that I need to speak to this particular person so they might become a Christian. I have free will, man, and when the doors were opened, I chose to go through those. And, of course, you can see some scars on my head where I decided I was going to go through the door even though it was unopenable. <laughs> I got scars, too. It was emotional scars. But the reality is, is that God knew every one of those days. Why? Because he's, he exists for eternity and time is very small amount but he sees it all in one moment so he knew when I would be conceived he knew and he opened the doors and I ran through them you know I believe that everyone has an opportunity to hear the gospel humans are created in the image of God to worship God and when they're worshiping idols and rocks and stones and things and that isn't working for them that isn't working for them and they cry out God how come am I still miserable if they really are sincere and want to know God's going to open a door and send some dude through and for some of you it was my bald headedness and I'm just glad I was at the right place at the right time God set that up you see, you need to understand that God works in those ways. 
But this word ordained means God planned it, prepared it, and we got to walk into it and through it. But the word days is rather interesting. It says here, in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. That word days there means a measurement of time from sunset, sunrise to sunset. He's actually talking about each day. That's pretty cool. You know what? There are no bad days. You're saying, you want to bet? <laughs> there are no bad days. Think about it. You run into your day and you got your plan all set. Man, I'm going to get a lot done today. And the phone calls. You went, uh-oh, there goes my plan. <clears throat> now you respond to that in a Christ-like way. And guess what? That door was open and you just ran through it with the spirit of Christ and a heart of love, desiring to help. And so what you had plans out the window, but was that a bad day at the end? They go, man, I didn't get anything done. No, you got what God wanted you to get done, done. If you're praying, oh God, I just prayed that I'll get all green lights going to work because I'm a little bit late. And then when you don't get all green lights, you go, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? There's red lights all over the, the place. I don't know why they're all red lights. I don't know why they're all green lights. But God had a plan. You know, there have been times, and this has happened to me a couple of times, whereas I'm coming up and I get way late on my trip somewhere, and I'm frustrated, oh, I can't there. And then I get up ahead, and there's a terrible, horrible accident that has freshly been made. Now, if I weren't been way late somehow, I might have been a part of that. Do you remember when Brian Bragg was number three, three in the running for Georgia Pacific? We're all breaking out, oh, open that door, please open that door. Oh, we're going, God, why not? Why'd you do that? We couldn't tell the future, could we? But God knew the future, that GP in this area is going to shut down, and he would have had to relocate with his family which I don't think he would have done. Maybe. We didn't know the future, but God knew the future. Uh, brother, we need to recognize and understand that God is sovereign. He knows our, our days, and he actually has prepared our way. But you know what? The book of remembrance, look at that. In your book were written all the days that you had ordained. It's interesting. In Daniel 12, verses 1 and 2, it's the book of life. In Malachi, verse 3, Chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, it's the, the book of remembrance. But are we, are we really going to trust in the Lord that he knows every little detail about our lives? Well, let me give you another psalm, Psalm 56. Turn there. <clears throat> psalm 56. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalm chapter 56. And listen to this. It's, it's really quite amazing uh, there in verse, beginning in verse 8. You have taken account of my wanderings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I, I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? You know what man can do to you? Some pretty heinous things. What did men do to Jesus? Some pretty heinous things. Did he decide, I am going to glorify God in my body in the last few hours of my life? He had a choice, didn't he? He could cut and run, 
Like, that would be possible once they got him in custody. Oh, how about the angels? He could have sent him down. He could have cut and run. But you know what he decided to do in every interaction, human interaction? He decided to pray for them or to speak to them words of kindness and encouragement. Every single time, he glorified God in his dying. Now, what about you and I? Let's turn to the Gospel of John in chapter 21. Gospel of John chapter 21. Interesting. Remember when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Then tend my flock. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Why do you keep asking me that? You know that one? We all know that one, but we don't know the one so much that just follows that. John chapter 21, and take a look at verse 18 and 19. John 21, verse 18 and 19. It'd be nice if I could find John. I'm finding all the other gospels here, but John seems to have, there we go. Verse 18, Paul, or Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You know, Peter would eventually be crucified in Rome under Nero. Jesus knew that. You're going to be crucified, Peter. And what does he say there in that very context? He says, this is the death by which you will glorify God. You know what he's saying? Peter, you're going to be able to glorify me in Rome on a cross. I don't know. Jesus hasn't come down and said, Bill, this is how you're going to die, dude. He hasn't done that. I don't think he's done that to you. If he has, let me know. We'll have to confirm that, of course. Don't know how, but, but then notice what he says. You follow me. You follow me. You follow me. And you'll make it all the way to and through the cross. Isn't it true, Brother Kirk? You're not supposed to run to the the finish line, you're supposed to run through the finish line. In this case, right into the arms of Jesus. Amen? Now, the last verse is for us. Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. You do your own study on this one. Revelation chapter 13. This one's for us. 9... Uh, 13, chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. I want to pick it up actually in verse 7 to get the context. It was also given to him, that is, the beast that came out of the sea. The beast that came out of the sea, by the way, if you do your study, is world government. There's a Bible verse somewhere that says that all the nations of the world will be gathered together by Satan, deceived by him, to make war against the church. That's what it says the beast from the sea. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and, the author and authority over every tribe and people, tongue and nation was given to him, this beast, this one world governing force. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, not me. I'm rebel scum, right, brother? Rebel scum. 
All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. And I'm going to try to read this the way the Greek should have been translated. The reason I know this is because Matt Hartford studied Greek for four years, and he opened my eyes to what this verse is actually saying. If anyone has been appointed for captivity, to captivity he will go. If anyone has been appointed to be killed with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here's the perseverance and the faith of the saints. I don't know how I'm going to die. Could it be in captivity? If God has so ordained that you would be in captivity until the day of your death, so be it. God ordained it. But I don't want to go into captivity. You know what, Lord? If it takes me going through captivity to get to heaven, I'm all in. And Lord, if it means that I am to die by the sword, so be it, so that I can get in. But I want to be just like what Jesus said to Peter. By this death, you will glorify God. We don't know. Are you listening? We don't know the day or the type of death. But Jesus says it's appointed. There's an appointed day. Somebody actually spoke that today. I think it was you, Jeff, when you said, even that day is appointed. How'd you know what I was preaching? If it's appointed, I'm in captivity. To captivity, I will go and I will sing and I'll preach and I'll love on the guards until they put me to death. And maybe it's with the sword. I don't know. Why will I do that? Because I want to glorify God every day and even in that last day. And you know how we're going to do that? Are you ready? Here's the bomb. You know how we're going to do that? We're going to follow him. Because that's exactly what he did. He gave us the prototype. He gave us the example. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You think he loved those people who were killing them? Yes. Do you think he loved those soldiers? Yes. Do you think he loved those two thieves on the cross? Yes. But only one of them decided to follow Jesus. And we don't know if all any of the others followed Jesus. But that's what we're called to. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to glorify him in your body today? Because you never know. Today might be that day. He knows. So let's glorify him today. Manifesting his magnificent character. So when people see us pass, when we say, it is well with my soul, I'm going home. Remain faithful so I'll see you again. Wouldn't that be great? But you have to make the commitment. I'm going to glorify God today. I'm going to follow Jesus today. And what's the, what's the, the goal of tomorrow? Glorify God in your body tomorrow. Follow Jesus tomorrow. Because one of those times, tomorrow is the last tomorrow you'll ever have. And you've made it. Faithful unto the end. What does he say? Perseverance and faithfulness of the saints. Are you going to persevere? Or are you going to remain faithful? Do you trust God? Do you believe in his sovereignty? Those men that stood for six seconds, man, they're a great picture in my mind. Will you stand today? 
and tomorrow until that last day when you're escorted into heaven by the angels. Will you? I pray we will, for God is sovereign. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, pray that we'll take comfort like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians and chapter 1, though he was being just brutally uh, beaten and then, of course, was killed, that the sentence of death was within him. And yet he said, so that I might trust, not trust in myself, but trust in God who has delivered me, who will deliver me and will yet deliver me once again. Father, I pray that we would be like the Apostle Paul. We'd be like Jesus Christ. We would follow in their footsteps that we might glorify you in every day, including the one that will go home. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get all excited as I turn this off, okay? Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.